joining in today's podcast. My name is Dana and I am from DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services. And in today's podcast, we're going to go over um, what DAS services, Financial Aid Consulting Services can do to assist students with their financial aid. Uh, the main reason why DAS was created was because as a financial aid advisor, in reviewing the files that have been submitted, there are a lot of mistakes, uh, common mistakes actually made on the files, um, which in turn hold up the processing because those mistakes need to be fixed and then uh, resubmitted. And that can take a couple of days uh, processing and, and it could also mean that your money is delayed from you being able to receive it in your institution. So it was I created uh, DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services so that I could help students um, complete the FAFSA, hopefully um, the first time around accurately, based on all the questions that are outlined on the FAFSA, and also to help with any eligibility questions so that when you have your financial aid appointments, you are prepared to sit down with the financial aid advisor and know exactly what you are eligible to receive as well as um, what other um, financial um, opportunities are available to you with regards to financing your education. This will include uh, scholarships as well as um, federal work study and also um, what they call SEOG. Some schools have SEOG that they can give um, students on um, top of what you get with a Pell Grant if you qualify for Pell Grant as well as your loans. So one of the things I'd like to do is open up the discussion today and um, kind of put out there what kinds of questions students have. Uh, with regards to uh, applying for financial aid. On the um, worksheet that most schools um, nowadays have what they call um, shopping sheets so that that um, will spell out how much it will end up costing you minus your financial aid at the end because financial aid does not cover 100% of the cost. You only get a portion. So we're going to use an example uh, for this current award year. $6,195 is available to students who have what they call a zero EFC. That's EFC stands for Estimated Family Contribution. And that figure is derived from calculations from the answers that are on the FAFSA. So each answer that is, or each question that is put on the FAFSA has an actual numerical value attached to it. So, for example, um, if you filed a 2017 tax return because the Department of Education is using 2017 tax returns for the 2019 and 2020 award year, if you filed, say, your filing status was head of household uh, versus single, head of household has a different value to it than a single status would. 
Um, there are also those situations where if you are um, if you receive government assistance in 2017 or 2018, meaning that would be SNAP benefits, welfare, uh, if you get free lunch program for your children, um, or if you have supplemental social security income or Medicare, or Medicaid I should say, they um, will factor that in as well. If you answer yes to one of those questions, um, that is an automatic zero EFC, meaning that you again would qualify for the full amount of Pell Grant that has been established for the current award year. Having said that, if within the current award year, let's say that you've already received $6,195 um, and you may be in a um, program where you will also be able to receive another half of that $6,195, meaning $3,097. Um, what that is called is year-round Pell, and that was established, or re-established, I should say, back in the start of the 2018-2019 award year. Um, when you are in a situation, and we had gone over this um, a couple of weeks ago, or podcasts ago, um, I did a... Um, a show regarding transferring students. So if you are transferring from your current institution now to a new institution and maybe the programs are not aligned, meaning there may not be um, set up as credit in semester, maybe they're now um, the institution that you're choosing to transfer to is a clock hour school um, and it might be going into a certificate program, the aid that you have received over at your the old institution or former institution um, will affect your new funding at the new institution. This could affect you from having um, actual uh, loans um, in a subloan form if you're going into a certificate program. So you just want to keep in mind that when, first of all, when you are shopping for a school, make sure it's something that you can afford. Again, if you are looking for a prestigious school um, and you're able to grade-wise get into the school but you can't afford it, um, spending the rest of your adulthood after you graduate paying for college loans may not be something that you anticipated and it is something that you need to um, keep in mind because that can affect your credit history down the road. And as we've discussed in prior episodes of um, our shows, uh, loans that are uh, taken out for financial aid are not discharged. So if you end up in the course of your life having to maybe um, make the decision, and I know it's a hard one to file bankruptcy, um, student loans are not discharged. You will have to repay them back. And the reason why they are not discharged is due to the fact that um, they're funded with taxpayer dollars um, because the Department of Education is part of the United States government and that's how it is funded. 
Um, if we have some questions, um, I see we have a few listeners on the line. So if you have any questions, feel free to either call in or type in the questions in your in the comment area, and I'll be more than happy to answer them if you have them currently. If not, um, at the end of the podcast, you're more than welcome to contact me at T Anderson S O N at D A S Financial Aid Consulting Services. Dot com, and I will um, research the answer to your questions and get back to you. There are a few things, though, that I'd like for um, all of you to think about um, while you're looking to apply, or maybe you're, in, you're already in school and you're looking to do the uh, transfer. Just make sure that, um, again, you contact your financial aid office as soon as possible if you are thinking of transferring um, from your current institution uh, just to make sure that they are aware of it so that you don't have any issues when you go to your new institution and when you start because again you want to make sure that your money flow is there at the time you start versus having to wait um, to receive payment while going through the process. Um, your financial aid office will need to adjust your um, account with the Department of Ed accordingly. Um, what this means is, is that if you are um, stopping um, your enrollment at the current institution to transfer to the new institution, they will need to um, take care of the loan period and reporting out that you have ended uh, your uh, attendance at the current institution and this is all done internally and uh, there may be refunds that may be owed um, back to you or your account I should say and they will um, process those and then that money that gets refunded will just go back towards the balances that are available to you so um, example if you have already taken out um, half of your subloan for of $3,500, $1,750 would have been the first disbursement. That means you have the other half pending right now. Um, but the $1,750 that you that was originally disbursed, it may end up with a calculation having to, a portion of that refunded back to your account, opening up more eligibility from the initial $3,500. With regards to unsub, usually how the refund process will work is, is that um, if you have both the Pell Grant, the subloan, and the unsub loan out, refunds begin with um, the unsub first and then the subloan. So that is how um, that setup is uh, with the department. But all of this can be conveyed to you um, by going to your financial aid advisor and just have a little bit of knowledge in hand to talk to them with how this um, process will work for you if, again, you are planning on um, transferring to a different school and um, just see how that will affect your financial aid. The other item that um, we help you with is um, helping to put you through the compliance process. So if your application is selected um, for compliance, which means that the information that was entered um, 
needs to be what the terminology with the department is is called verified. They will ask you to fill out a worksheet whether you're an independent student or a dependent student. Um, it'll ask you how many family members. It'll ask you to confirm how many of your family members are in college. Um, if you are a dependent student and you have a parent that is attending college, the parent cannot uh, be accounted for as attending college on the student's application. The reason for that is, is because this parent has already probably been processed with um, being accounted for in college as well as the child that is attending college. So the department will look at that as being a double dip in the calculation. However, there is a way that if um, your school that you're attending does process what they call professional judgment, a professional judgment can be processed on a student file who is dependent with a parent that is attending college for that reason. It's an extra hoop that you have to go through, um, but in some cases it does make a, a difference with the estimated family contribution calculation. So that would open up more eligibility for you um, with regards to uh, Pell, or it would open up even subloans. So that is something that you want to keep in mind. And again, um, this is just information that you can have in your um, on hand to help you through the process. Um, the other items that you would need to provide if you are selected for what they call the verification status, depending on what status that is, because there are three levels. There is what they call the V1 verification, which that means that not only do you have to fill out the worksheet, um, if you are also a dependent student who um, maybe didn't file a tax return, was not required to file a tax return in 2017, but your parents did, your parents will need to provide copies of their um, tax return transcripts for 2017 so they can be reviewed to make sure that the adjusted gross income, income tax paid, um, the exemptions, and the income earned from work was accounted for accurately. Also, there's a few other items on a tax return um, in 2017 would be a credit um, indi indicating that um, it's considered other untaxed income in some circumstances. So, um, for example, if um, you uh, have a parent that um, contributes to a retirement account through their employer, that money um, gets accounted uh, for as a credit on your tax on their tax return. So then what would happen is, is per the FAFSA instructions, that amount that they contributed would be accounted for as other untaxed income um, in the um, area that's applicable on the FAFSA. And again, that's part of the calculation for the estimated family contribution. Um, the other item that you need to also be careful of is whether or not the form you used was a 1040, 1040A, or 1040EZ. Those also have values. The 1040 has a value. Um, so you have to make sure that you put in the right form that you used. And um, that is a common error that um, is not listed accurately and does have to be corrected.
Um, also, keep in mind that during this time of year, there are those um, families where you may have um, a combined family, meaning you have um, grandparents also living under the same roof as the student and the parents. And um, while the grandparents would be accounted for as family members, um, it just depends on when the grandparents began residing in the household. Um, because the way the FAFSA is set up, it's asking if you support family members more than 50% other than children. So if your grandparents um, moved in um, prior to July 1st when the 2019-2020 award year started, then they can be accounted for as family members. However, if your grandparents have not moved into the household as of yet, but they might be moving into the household, say, in March, they cannot be accounted for on the um, application as additional family members. The reason for that is, is because the 2019-2020 award year started July 1st. It runs until June 30th of 2020. But the year is more than half over. So the Department of Ed says that you would not be able to account for those family members. However, for the 2020-2021 application, you would be able to. <coughs> so those are a few tips for you while you're filling out the application. And again, we're here to help you.